I and the Father are one. That was said by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 10, verse 30. This is the Essential Bible Studies podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm here with... Tom Colby. Hi, Tom. How's it going? Okay. I'm good. And you, I hope, as well. I am uh, doing very well, thank you. Considering everything that's going on, just to let our listeners know that we're, we're doing something different here because of all the COVID restrictions, is that we're actually recording this over a Zoom session. So this is different for us, and the recording is going to sound different, but the content is still going to be excellent, right? Right, Tom? Right. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about a passage in the Gospel of John. It's specifically found in John chapter 10, verses 22 through 39. And this really ties in with some of the other podcasts that we've been doing. In fact, uh, one of the main themes of our season here has been getting to know God better and this principle of God manifestation. So if you're listening to this one, you might want to go back and listen to some of these other podcasts. We had one on angels, God's ministering spirits. We had another one on Yahweh, the memorial name taken from Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, when God revealed his name to Moses in front of the burning bush. And then we had a couple more podcasts on Exodus 33 and 34. And this is when Moses ascends up into Mount Sinai and he wants to know the name of the Lord. And God comes before him on the mount and proclaims the, this name of Yahweh in these qualities or, or characteristics of God. And so we spent a couple podcasts on that. And these are all very important lessons drawn from the Old Testament about the principles about how God manifests himself through angels and through men. And so this is important when we come to consider our Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry and, and what he was doing. And we've picked this section here in John chapter 10, because there's three parts of this that we want to unravel and understand. The first part is a phrase he says in John chapter 10, verse 25, the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. So Jesus would often say this, that he was coming in his father's name. And we want to understand that. And then there's, there's verse 30. This is the second one where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So we want to understand what he means by this unity or this oneness. And then finally, there's this reply of Jesus to the, the Jews where he says, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? And that's very interesting. Why does he say that? What's the point that he's getting at? So we want to delve into that. A little deeper. So does that sound good, Tom? Sounds good. Yeah. I'm just going to read part of this section just to kind of set the scene. I think it's important for us to visualize things in the Bible to make them come alive. And so I'm going to start to read here John chapter 10 and verse 22. 
at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. First of all, I think it's interesting that John says it was winter. You kind of have to picture it. Maybe it's a little chilly. And it's the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah. And it's in Jerusalem. And we find out in verse 23, it says, And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So it's winter, it's cold. Jesus is walking in this kind of a vast, expansive area of the temple, which is called the Colonnade of Solomon. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems, in verse 24, it says, So the Jews gathered around him and said to him. So these Jews come up, they're being very antagonistic. They want to catch Jesus in his words, and they come and they gather around. They, that idea actually has the meaning of they surround around the Lord Jesus Christ, and they ask him this question. They say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. There's the question, there's the first response of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you just put yourself in that scene, this is a battle that's going on. And the Jews are they're being antagonistic towards the Lord Jesus Christ here when they ask him this, tell us who you are. And Jesus says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. So here's our first phrase. I think it's very important because we've talked in other podcasts about manifesting the name. The Lord Jesus will say this time and time again, I am come in my Father's name. What do you think about that phrase, Tom? Thank you, Tim. And You know, he said that in John chapter 5. So Mm. we compare that to the works I do in my father's name in John chapter 10. And and in John chapter 5 is the time when Jesus was talking to the Jews once again after he had healed the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. And it helps to look at John chapter 5. I'm not going to read a lot of it, but if sort of a summarize in John chapter five, verse 30, Jesus says, I can have mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the father, which hath sent me. So this is the idea that his father sent him. He's come in his father's name. And he says that again in verse 43 of John chapter five, he says, I am come in my father's name and ye receive me not. And he's, he goes on, he says, if another should come in his own name, him you'll receive, but you mm-hmm. won't receive the one that's come in the name of God. Right. And he ends that chapter really telling them that he's not going to accuse them to the father. He says there's only one that would accuse them to the father, and that is Moses in whom they trust. And so he takes them back, as Jesus often does, to their own law, to their own scriptures, and shows them from that what he is talking about. And I thought uh, it might be helpful to look back at what it says, because in verse 46 of John chapter 5, Jesus says, if you had believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. So let's go back and look quickly, if we can, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, to what Moses had written about the one that God was going to send. And so I'm going to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And verse, verses 18 and 19, it says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So Jesus is taking them back to their own law and telling them that he has come in the Father's name, which he always says. He never claims to be doing anything of himself. Just if I could interject here sure. a little bit, Tom. I think it's when we've talked in in past about that Deuteronomy 18, and I think it's interesting here to just kind of emphasize the point of the name. I'm come in my Father's name. Well, what is the Father's name? And we've talked about this. It's the Yahweh name, right? And in other podcasts, we talk about how that name is just not a label. It's just not some sort of designation of God. It actually tells about God, about his purpose and his qualities of mercy and truth, as it were. So you don't see the name Yahweh used in the New Testament. It seems at this point, the Jews had come to so reverence the name of Yahweh that they didn't actually say it. But often you'll see it referred to as the name of God or the, the Father's name. That's that's what it's referring to. Right. Right. So you've got another passage here in Philippians. Yes. And well, this is the Apostle Paul in writing to the uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter two, talking about Jesus and the name of Jesus and how it's related to God. It says in verse nine of Philippians chapter two, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, mm. that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So everything about this exalted name that has been given to the Lord Jesus Christ has one purpose, and that is that it's to give glory to his Father's name which you have considered in previous podcasts yeah. about just what that meant. It, it meant more than just the name of the almighty God. It talked about his character. It talked about how he conducts himself, how he is full of mercy, but he will not tolerate wickedness and all of those things. So the name that Jesus has been given is one that everyone should listen to. Why? Because he came only to give glory to his father. Yeah. Now, are you reading from the King James Version? Uh, I am. Tom, in I verse am. 9, I think it says he's been given a name that is above every name. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name. Yeah. Now, the Revised Version says the name, which is above every name. This is the point I was going to bring up. The ESV actually translates it that way, too. He's bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And it's one of those small little things in translation. Is it a name or the name? And is it important? And Well, when we consider that this is the Father's name, it is important from what we've seen before. And this right. is the name. And the name is this aspect of this, in this sense, this authority or this power that is given to the Lord Jesus Christ, that every knee should bow unto Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that in Scripture, names are important, and there are in a sense that the lesser is named of the greater, right? God being greater than all has given this name or given this authority to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not like you were saying, when we worship Jesus, when we bow the knee to Jesus, it's not that 
it's for Jesus's glory. It's as he says here in verse 11, it's to the glory of God, the father, just to right. reemphasize what you've already said. Right. Right. Okay. In this passage, I mean, this Philippians passage is a pretty important one to understand about this name of Jesus and how it relates to God and how Jesus manifests God. But there's a lot of people kind of misunderstand this passage because earlier in, in this Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, there's this verse that says that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's this translation or this way that the Bible puts it, this form of God that people say, well, Jesus was God himself. It's a theology known as the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is not a word that's used in the Bible. Some people think the concept is there. Now, what is a definition of the Trinity? I've heard some people say, well, it's just the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's, it's not quite that. The Trinity was something that was developed centuries later than the scriptures were written down. And it actually is a theology or a doctrine that says that Jesus and the Father are co-equal and they're co-substantial. Or what that means is just theological terms that mean that they're both one in the same person in nature. And that's not really something that's taught in the scriptures. In these verses that are used to, to prove the Trinity, it's really more about this aspect of God manifestation, that Jesus Christ has come in the name of the Father. He was a, a human being, flesh and blood, although he was a divine birth as the Son of God. He wasn't God himself in, in nature, as the doctrine of the Trinity says. So this form of God that Paul talks about here is basically he was born as the son of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He knew that he was a human being. He wasn't equal to God in any sense in that way. And so in verse 7, it says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So there's that form again. So whatever the form of God is, you have to compare it with the form of a servant. So it has to do with this attitude or mindset. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in the verse, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't seek to be co-equal with God. He sought to manifest God and give God all the glory in his life. So this may seem contradictory if we go back to John chapter 10 in our passage here, and we just keep reading. John chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, it's that last verse that, again, is misunderstood by Trinitarians, I and the Father are one. What does Jesus mean by that? Is he saying, I and the Father are one in nature? Or are they one in some different way? Because just in the previous verse, Jesus had said, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Here again, Jesus is not seeking any sort of co-equality with God. He's saying God is greater than all. He's greater than myself. And he's saying in terms of this oneness, it has to do with the ability that 
those who hear Jesus's voice will never perish. In verse 28, he says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he says in verse 21, no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So he's saying in this aspect, I and my father are one. We're one in purpose or one in, in mind. Is that how you see that passage, Tom? I and the father are one? I see it in the fact that we are one in purpose, yes. Not in the way that, as you said, that somehow Jesus and God are the same physical entity. Right. But they are one in purpose. And I think Jesus himself really explains this to us quite fully in the prayer that he offered in John chapter 17. And we're going to look over there to John chapter 17, because this was a prayer that Jesus gave just prior to being arrested by the Jews. He was arrested by the Jews in John chapter 18. Mm. But just prior to that, he gave this long prayer. I'm just going to read the first three verses because I think it talks about how Jesus looks at this and reinforces what we've been trying to say here. Right. Beginning at verse one, I'm reading from the authorized version, but it says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Mm. He's beginning his prayer, as prayer should be begun, by giving glory to his Father. But he's stating who he is, and he goes on to say in verse 6, in keeping with the subject of God's manifestation, in verse 6, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. And then he goes on a little bit further in the prayer and talks about the fact that he would like all of those people that God has given him to be at one with him and with his father. He says in verse 11, he says, and I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Oh, that goes back. To That's a, an yeah. extremely important phrase that Jesus uses. You know, he was condemned by the Jews for saying, I and the Father are one, but now he's saying he wants all of those who believe in God, in his name, to be one with God, even as he is. So it can't possibly be that they are one in physical nature with God, but they are one with God as Jesus was. So I'm going to read verses 21 to 26 because Jesus explains this even more succinctly. In verse 21, he says that they— Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Can you start at verse 20? Because I think this is part of the prayer where he's talking about future believers, you, you and I, right? I agree. I appreciate you uh, drawing my attention to that. Okay, in verse 20, Jesus says, Neither pray I for thee alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, that's talking about everyone from that day forward who would believe the words of the gospel preached by the followers of Jesus. Verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. 
that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So this is what Jesus is saying. He wants his believers to be the same with God as he is. And so it has to be one in mind and in purpose. Right. He ends the prayer, verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Mm. So what Jesus is saying here is that he wants those who are his followers, his sheep, as he had called them earlier, to be one with him, even as he was one with his father. And that's right. what I and my father being one means. And if we sort of bring this thought to a bit of a conclusion, in the Old Testament, in the prophecy of Ezekiel, three times in the prophecy of Ezekiel, and once again in Second Peter chapter 2, it is stated that God is not willing that any should perish, but they should all come unto repentance. And repentance means to change your way of thinking or to turn in a different direction from where you have lived. So the idea is turn from your human nature unto being at one with the Lord Jesus Christ, even as he is at one with his father. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, I and my father are one. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in both Philippians chapter two, we're to take on the mind of Christ in the context. And in here in this beautiful prayer, like you're saying, we we have to change our whole attitude. I think verse 26, when it says that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, that's what we're really talking about, right? It's this manifestation of the love of Christ in our lives, which makes us unified or one with Jesus and the Father, because that's what unified them together was the way that Jesus manifested the love of God and gave us that example, right, to, to follow. That's what this God manifestation aspect is, is really all about. It certainly is in keeping that that is what God wanted when he created the earth and created it for his glory and his pleasure, because he wanted it to be inhabited by people who reflected his character and his will. Okay, this is what kind of astounds me is because in this passage that we've been looking at in John chapter 10, the Jews didn't understand this. Like they misunderstood what Jesus meant by I and the father are one. I mean, it's so beautiful when you read all of John chapter 17 of what that actually means. But going back to John chapter 10 and verse 31, it said the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They just didn't want to hear what he had to say, really. They were just going to misunderstand him and, and seek for some way to kill him. So they're going to stone him. And verse 32, Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And verse 33, it says, the Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Now, is that what Jesus had said? Was Jesus really making himself God? We've already seen from Philippians, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so Jesus gives the answer in verse 34. Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, 
Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? So there's the answer of Jesus. And when we read that, we have to kind of think to ourselves, is he defending that he is God or is he defending that he isn't God? (laughs) I mean, all we have here is he says, it's written in your law, I said you are God. So he actually quotes the Old Testament. Tom, if you have a cross-reference in your margin to Psalm 82 and verse 6 off of that. That's exactly where it came from. Yeah, that's really interesting. What does that mean? I said, you are gods. And how is that any sort of argument against what the Jews were saying? Well, Tom, we've run out of time. We're going to have to leave it on a cliffhanger here to figure out what this response of Jesus Christ actually means and how it fits in with this principle of God manifestation. You want to stick around for the next podcast and we'll figure it out? That sounds good to me. And (laughs) I would suggest uh, to those who are listening that maybe you want to go read Psalm 82 before you listen to the next podcast. Yeah, it's a short Psalm. It's only eight verses. So that's a very good recommendation, Tom. Thanks. Well, we look forward to talking about it again. All right. See you in the next podcast. Tom and I pray this one thing, that this podcast has been a blessing for you. Life can get so busy. We're so glad that you've taken the time to focus on God and His Word. We're giving away some free Essential Bible Study Media Kits. What's a media kit? Well, we're going to send you a little packet filled with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks. It's a really cool way to share the podcast with others. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. I've been trying to share this podcast with friends and family, and after I explain what a podcast actually is, the greatest difficulty is the technical challenges. To get over this hurdle, we've made some easy step-by-step instructions on how to listen to the podcast for either Apple or Android devices. So if you have an iPhone or iPad, we have instructions for that. If you have an Android phone or an Android tablet, we have instructions for that too. All you have to do is just go to this link. It's www.essentialbiblestudies.org help. That's www.essentialbiblestudies.org slash help for step-by-step instructions. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.